Great shows, great music. MileHighRadio.com. What are you listening to? Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Good morning. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And I would like to welcome as my guest today, Patrick Almond. Patrick, hello. How are you? Hey, Deb. I'm here, and I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I really appreciate this. Well, first, I'm going to give uh, your bio, and then we'll talk about how we virtually met, because I think it's a great little story to tell people, to remind people how social media brings people together. But I wanted to uh, give your bio, and I'm just going to read the shorter version that is off of your website, because you have done such fabulous things that the bio your assistant sent me, we'd still be talking, and I'd still be doing it <laughs> half an hour from now. You've know, you got to love it when you have a, such a fabulous bio. Exactly. So Patrick had the crazy idea over a decade ago to help people with their tech challenges on his terms. To do that, he had to throw in the corporate towel at the end of 1998 and has never looked back. He is a passionate connector and teacher. Through him, you will learn the right solutions to make you better and the wrong ones that waste your time. He spends his day helping each client see through the noise of others and helps them with the vision and focus of their online experience. When not making people smarter, you might see him at a conference or gathering sharing his ideas as he is also a frequent speaker on the subject of online marketing. Outside of work, you will see him bragging about his wife and daughter or looking towards the skies. As a huge aviation enthusiast, he is always wishing he was up there and not down here. So let's welcome again Patrick Almond, who is the Chief Experience Manager at Focus Principal. Great! Well, thank you very much. That was quite a mouthful. I did not realize. I haven't read my own bio in a while. Oh, you know, it's it's one of those things that we should all go back and look at on occasion. Um, I just finished redoing my website, reworking my bio, and it's like, okay, what do I put in here? I love yours, though, because it really does tell people a little bit about what you love, uh, which is obviously your family and then aviation, but it also tells people how you're going to work with them. And I think that's very critical when people are deciding to work with a consultant or an agency or something like that. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I like to, I like to just let people know that, that, you know, we're real human beings. We're not some Mm -hmm. big, giant, massive corporation that you're going to get lost in. We're going to sit down with you, if possible, you know, one-on-one, face-to-face and figure out, you know, what do you really want to do in your business and how can we make that happen for you? And it's probably usually going to be over a cup of coffee because that's, Mm -hmm. you you can get a lot done over a cup of coffee in the morning, let me tell you. Right. And, you know, the whole thing about social media is it is a great place for people to meet, which is exactly where you and I met. Uh, someone else had retweeted one of my blog posts, which was um, it was my pet peeve for the day about the uh, automated responses that people are sending out on social media. And I, you know, I said, you know, I just don't think it's personal enough. And Patrick and I had this great discussion about it because I do realize that, it, that online, uh, you know, direct automated responses have a purpose. 
I just don't always like them. And so, you know, I think it's great that, that we were able then to have you on to carry that discussion further and then just to really talk about how businesses can, as you talk, you know, as you say, look at their online marketing mojo because to me, it's all tied in together. So, you know, let's, let's jump into this and really talk about what is your mojo online. What what I say when you have your mojo, I what I consider that is is when you're doing the things day to day that you need to do to make slow, steady progress. Mm -hmm. And there are various things, and social media is the latest one of them. But there's various little itty bitty steps you can take every single day Mm -hmm. to make people aware of what you're doing, to demonstrate your expertise, to become an organization that teaches. Because in my opinion, organizations that teach people are going to have a much easier time selling their services. If if I'm going to work with an organization that just constantly pushes out how great they are, or if I have the chance to work with an organization who's taught me a bunch of stuff ahead of time, I'm always going to pick the the latter one because Mm -hmm. we're we're all students, and and an organization that's willing to share their stuff for free just seems much more appealing to work Mm with. Right. You know, and, and you, you had a very key word in there, and that's free. Because I think what happens is, especially as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, we get caught up in, oh, I can't give anything away for free. Exactly. But, you know, there's so many ways where we can, whether that's posting on social media, uh, it's, in particular, it's blogging, things like that. And if we give away a little bit, then that helps the people who really can't afford our services because, you know, there, there are people like that. But it also does show people that we know what we're doing, whether it's, you know, that you're a restaurateur that, you know, has this great restaurant that you're opening or a, you know, a business selling widgets or like you and I selling social media. Those little free things really set us apart. Exactly. And the way I look at the free things are one of the things that if somebody walked off up off the street and asked me for five minutes, what I do or a tip about something, that's information I would be giving away anyways just to make them smarter. It's, right. there, there's, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no benefit to me keeping all this stuff concealed inside of me. It's not some big massive secret. Uh, it's, it's something that if somebody walked up to me in a coffee shop or off, off the street, I'm going to tell them anyways. So why not type it up in a blog post or mm-hmm. make it into a video or put it out there on the Twitter stream? Right. You know, and, and obviously there is a limit. You know, if somebody says, you know, gee, I want to, take you to lunch and I want to spend three or four hours with you, well, then, you know, we're going to have a different discussion. But I am more than happy, just like you, to, you know, to, to have an initial chat with them. Right. Yeah. I've, I've fallen uh, victim to the uh, let me pick your brain for lunch mm-hmm. syndrome a couple of times early on. And I've, I've tried to get past that. I've limited, you know, there are certain cases where if I think something has a high possibility of closing, then yeah, no problem. I'll go sure. to lunch mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll even buy the coffee. But as you know, a lot of times you just get people that what they're really looking for is they're really looking for free consulting. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that we really have to avoid. But a lot of times what I'll tell those people is, you know what, go to my website or go to this website of a friend of mine. They've typed up something about that topic and you're going to get more out of that than you would out of me and, and picking my brain for free. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's uh, funny. I moved here last year from Denver so I'm now in Atlanta, and one of the first people that I kind of came in contact with was Adrian Graham, who wrote this fabulous article. Initially, she wrote it for Forbes, and then it has since transformed into a book and, and all sorts of things. No, you can't pick my brain. It costs too much. And and I love that concept, you know, and, and she has always talked to me about the fact that, you know, and, and again, it doesn't matter what we're selling. 
if you're going somewhere and somebody is spending a half hour or an hour with you and they're seeing just how much they can get out of you in that time and then they never talk to you again, that's the brain picking part. If it's, hey, I want to find out if we can work together, then that's that's perfectly acceptable. Exactly. The, the, the way I look at it also is I do a little bit of business coaching and the way I look at it is, you know, give, give value to your time even though you're not bringing in money. So if, if someone sits down with Deb and Deb normally charges, you know, $300 an hour, she, Deb's basically giving away $300, uh, if she sits down with someone for a lunch. And I don't know about other people. I just don't have that kind of money of my own right. personal mm-hmm. time to give away. And, and what I've also learned is that you actually get a little bit more respect. Once you tell people, you know what, I, I, as much as I would love to, it's too, ex- like you said, it's too expensive mm-hmm. to give away my time for free. And what I've learned, uh, just, just over my years of business is that you, if you, like I said, you build up the respect and, and eventually what happens is once you tell someone that maybe six months down the line, they come back to you and they say, you know what, remember when we talked six months ago? Okay. You know what? I have the money now. Let's sit down for a couple of hours and I can buy that time and, and I respect them and they respect me and, and we end up with a long, mutually beneficial relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and what ties into all of this is what you, you refer to in your online marketing mojo system as trust. And it was great. I downloaded Patrick's free ebook today and we'll tell a little bit more about how to get that later. It's how to find your social media mojo. And those free things kind of are that trust factor where, you know, it's, it's email, it's video, audio, your website, your blog and posts on social media. People learn there that they can trust you and then they move into this transaction phase. So Patrick, tell us in more detail exactly what, you know, all the steps are in the online marketing mojo system and what people need to do. You know, I, my, my favorite is that people always think, Oh, I can skip some of those things, especially the trust factor and just move straight to transaction. And sure, if you're Walmart, you can do that, you know, a couple of times, but <laughs> you know, to build a long-term relationship with somebody, it really does start with that trust and then move from there. Exactly. This, this Saturday, this past Saturday, I was speaking on my feet for six hours, talking about this, and I drew, I drew the circles, and the middle, the, the the middle circle that I think a lot of people are missing nowadays, thanks to social media, is the first place you have to do is have a home base online, mm-hmm. and I think all of us would agree that we all just have to have a website. Right. But but it's amazing that how many people nowadays get so enthralled with social media that they think mm-hmm. they can make Facebook. They think I don't need a website. I can oh. just make my Facebook fan page my website. You know, I'd be rich if I had, you know, a nickel for every time somebody has told me I don't need a website because I can have a Facebook fan page. And then they watch me just go, ah, when they say that. <laughs> exactly. My response this weekend to people was, well, what happens when Zuck decides to change mm-hmm. the colors or decides to rearrange right. the layout or, or decides charge or charge you or maybe all of a sudden, as opposed to, you know, 15% of your fans seeing your content, maybe now we're down to 5%. It's just, mm-hmm. An environment where you have no control. So the first, one of the very first steps in that is to, you know, make sure that website's set up. And then again, this weekend as I was talking, I was saying, uh, get your email list started. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- find a way to basically stay in touch with the people who want to hear your content the most. Because the average visitor to a website, from what I understand, stays anywhere from about 20 seconds to 40 seconds and then they're gone. Right. You may have had good content, but Thanks to tab browsers, they've got 10 tabs open now, and they're looking at nine of your competitors. 
Uh, find a way to hook them in a little bit, give them some free content, and stay in touch with them, and you start begin building that relationship and building up that trust. Right. I tell people that we all have the attention span of a gnat, and you need to capture that attention and keep it. You know, just getting them there isn't enough. You mentioned getting people's email addresses, and it was funny. That was what we were really talking about when we were talking online on Twitter was capturing people's email addresses. What do you do with those email addresses? You know, how many times do you reach out to people? What do you do when you when you have someone's email address? Uh, I use a system called Infusionsoft, and there, there's one of many systems out there, but I feed them in there, and I, if I can, I tag them with what I think their interest is. Okay. I, have, I have different lead forms depending on which website you go in, mm-hmm. and um, I do different mailings, and I'm not using it to its full a system yet, but with Infusionsoft, what you can do is you can set up a predefined marketing funnel to keep building up that trust. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the first level in trust is here's my free book. Mm-hmm. Maybe my maybe my second level is should be. It just depends on the on the way you come in. Here's a free video, uh, and here's a second free video where I talk for 15 minutes on how to optimize your social media offering. And here's another video where I do this. And so by the fifth or sixth video, maybe I can kind of be guiding towards someone to say, you know what, and if all this seems like a little bit too much, we'll click on this link here and let's get on the phone and see how we can help you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And by that point in time, I've had several touch points with them and, and hopefully the trust is built up that they'll, they'll realize it's better than just someone knocking on their door saying, hey, I'm here, let me help you with your social media. Right. You know, and, and it's funny because that whole trust factor is so important. And, and it takes time to build it up. I kind of got on a, a kick the last couple of days of posting bad customer service on, on my personal Facebook page, which, you know, my personal Facebook page is, is, you know, I always think it is a public forum. So I would never post anything there that I wouldn't want the world to see. But I had an interaction with someone last week who came up to me and he, he was selling a product. And he said, you should buy this for your father for Father's Day. And I said, well, that's nice. But my father passed away several years ago. Oh, oh my well, gosh. <laughs> well, what about, you know, what about the, the, the father of your children? I said, well, I don't have children. Uh, what about your father-in-law? I said, well, he passed away too. And the poor guy just turned around and wandered off. You know, at that point, he, he really had nothing to say to me. He, he was so focused on Father's Day and his product that he totally forgot there might have been something else why I would have wanted to buy that product. Right. It's uh, I haven't taken a sales course for a while, but I know in sales you're always taught to figure out uh, or, or qualify this person and almost put them into a niche and see what they need. So what that person should have done, for example, is they should have engaged with you a little bit more, maybe learned a little bit more about you. And if they'd done smart, they would have realized that you maybe might have not been their optimum customer and you guys could have parted ways nicely without you having to give all those answers and without him having to be embarrassed in the process. Well, and, you know, if it, it was actually a product that you could buy year-round, it really could have been something where he could have said, can you suggest this to someone else? Or, you know, there's certainly other things that, that he could have gone. And to me, that's what social media is all about. It's about building that trust but finding out a little bit about somebody before you try to hit them over the head with, hey, I sell this product or service. Exactly. I've been on the Internet for a while, and the Internet's had chat rooms for a while, and social media just made it so easy mm-hmm. for us to connect with anybody in the world. And several times this morning, both, you know, I've reached out to people I've never talked to before, and we've started a little bit of a dialogue, and, and one of them even wanted to, to go a little bit further, just like you and I did, and they 
privately they sent me their email address and they said let's you know let's talk some more and that just comes from a couple of tweets it doesn't take much it just takes being a human being and having a genuine interest in helping somebody else to build up the trust fairly fast mm-hmm. right and and in our circumstance it really was maybe three or four tweets where you know we we were we were actually disagreeing a little bit because you love to to uh, or you you prefer to use some of the direct responses i won't say that you love it because right. you know, i don't know that but um and and i don't but it it really led to a great little online you know 10 15 second conversation where then i said ooh you know, you need to be on my radio program because I knew right away that you were somebody who could really provide my listeners with some great information. And it really was, you know, four or five tweets. There wasn't a lot there. Right. And, and now we trust each other. And I think the particular topic was, I was trying to, I was trying to figure out, and I've always tried to question people, um, what's the difference between automatically doing some things in social media, mm-hmm. yet in the real world, we, we find certain things acceptable. You know, it may right. be voicemail. Voicemail. I don't, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't pick up my phone all the time, and that's the, that's the example I always use. Why is it acceptable for me to have a predefined automatic recording to respond to you on my voicemail, yet all the social media proponents say, you know what, don't auto-DM, don't auto-respond, don't any, any of that stuff. And I tend to be someone who kind of stirs the water a little bit when it comes to social media because... I think a, a lot, a little bit. We've we've put these rules on social media. It has to be this clean, pristine, perfect environment with these rules that we hear at social media conferences. And I just make a little bit of a stink sometimes. Just kind of question the authority. That's mm-hmm. that's the kind of guy I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and and it was exactly right, and it got me thinking because I do use voicemail, and and that was your example, and it really did bring me up short because. I thought, well, what is the difference between sending an automated response or having a voicemail? And what had kind of set me off was the fact that some of the uh, and and uh, direct messages on Twitter don't really bother me. I don't really read them, but right. um, you know they they don't really bother me. But I had had two people on their personal social media sites. So one was on LinkedIn. Actually, they were both on LinkedIn, where I got an automated response from them. Okay, that was fine. Mm-hmm. But then it was clear that it was actually from their assistant. And, you know, because they were both people that I knew really, really well. And I got this generic, she's too busy to deal with you and might deal with you at some other point type of response on LinkedIn. And, and that brought me up short. I just thought that was, that was kind of pushing the, the thing. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, especially because I'm, I think everybody, me included, think that LinkedIn's actually supposed to be one of the more professional uh, social networks out there. So to get an automated response like that, uh, from her assistant, yeah, I would have, I probably would have been in the same mood that you do. And I, even in LinkedIn in general, I tend to, I tend, because I consider it the professional side, I tend to get even kind of put off by the automatic, uh, responses right. that when, if, if someone was to send me a request to connect, mm-hmm. LinkedIn puts in a canned one or two sentences. Mm-hmm. And I almost always turn those down because right. I, I don't know why I want to connect with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the flip side, if somebody takes the time to say, Patrick, you know what? I listened to you on Deb's program or Deb referred me to you or I saw you the other day at the bookstore. I'd like to talk to you about something. I'll accept that in a heartbeat. Right. Uh, they, they took the time. They, it took mm-hmm. five or ten seconds to type up a real sentence. Why can't we do that? Right. And the funny thing is on the, the responses that I found offensive, if the person had said, hi, this is Betty Boop, I'm so-and-so's assistant, 
I would have been perfectly fine with that. But when they tried to kind of pretend that they were, you know, and, and, and I understand that was the direction they'd been given and, you know, all these various things, but it was, it really was a little off-putting that it was, and, and it, the fact that it was LinkedIn, I think, made it even worse. Right. And, you know, good for you for having a, a bar. I think everybody should have a bar of things that they'll accept and things they won't accept. Uh, you were nice enough to, um, um, uh, you know, CC and accept the fact that I deal do with some of the automatic, uh, DMs, but I've had some people that have, uh, outright cursed me out on when I, when they automatically receive my response oh. to connect with my social media book. And mm-hmm. I guess I've gone, you know, I've, I've put them outside their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, especially on Twitter, you know, we get direct responses all the time because there's just too much, I think is probably what's going on. And so, you know, we have that automated response that goes out. And I have seen a decline in that, but so many people still use it. I think part of it is on how it's worded, too. You know, if it's the, hey, how are you? Thanks for connecting with me on Twitter. Please follow me on Facebook. Uh, (laughs) That kind of, you know, and and granted, I probably just read it that way, where somebody else would read it. Hi, how are you? Thanks for, you know. but it it is a it's a definite tool that when used properly is fabulous but if you kind of get too salesy with it i think that's when people get turned off by it and um one of the things i tried to do and this is out of genuine concern is when i first put out that social media a mojo book that you can download mm-hmm. it had a lot of mistakes in it and i tend to be a person who uh types faster or I think faster than my fingers can keep mm-hmm. up so I skip entire words sometimes <laughs> so my so my first couple of iterations of that mm-hmm. had several grammatical and spelling errors so I started asking people to just you know what here review this please and let me know if you see any mistakes right. or let me know how good it is and so my auto dm right now on twitter for example says you know what I just updated this a month ago please review this and let me know what you think and okay. it, it's amazing how many people do click on that link right. And it's amazing how many people um, respond back to me in a DM saying, thank you for sending that to me. And then sometimes that, that'll be the beginning part of a conversation between us. Right. Especially that tell me what you think. Because that really is telling them that you want to engage with them. And I think that's critical in this whole process. Right. And um, you you did a great job also. I think I think we were all talking, somehow conversing with a lady named Gina Carr, mm-hmm. who's, right. a, uh, who's a member of NSA, and I deeply mm-hmm. respect her. And uh, every now and then, there are just some things out her that I don't agree with, but we're able to have a civil conversation mm-hmm. about right. it. And man, the world would be so much further if we could just have civil conversations, wow. whether it's social media, whether it's you know the guy next door who doesn't like the fact that I'm mowing my lawn mm-hmm. a little bit too low for him. Uh, I've connected and done so well and even done business with people on social media if I said you know what I don't agree with you here is why but it doesn't mean that we can't be friends mm-hmm. right you know and and I think that tends to be one of the the drawbacks that I see on social media is people feel that it is a safe place to vent and they say things on social media that they would never say in you know face to face with somebody and i always caution people about that i mean you know it's not bad to have a place to vent you know there are there are definitely times when we need to do that but you know also remember that there are people who are reading those posts you know if somebody has vented in a way where i think it's very unprofessional of them then i might think twice about doing business with them or referring them to my friends um you know so it it tends to be something that that people kind of overstep on occasion 
Right, and I have I have a classic case of that right now in my household. My daughter's just uh, graduating college, and she's been on social media for several years. And now mm-hmm. it's time for her to get into the you know the real world and go find oh, a dear. job. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, mommy, mommy and I have gone through some of the social media accounts mm-hmm. and kind of cleaned, maybe cleaned up things, maybe said you know you might want to remove this mm-hmm. because uh, as I'm sure your listeners know that that's where people go. Right. Um, First now, that's why I fully expect people to go and search my daughter's name as soon as she sends in a resume. As a matter of fact, I would think that social media gives you a better insight into someone's thought process than a resume because you know what? A resume is old the minute you print it out and send it in. Social right. media is live. It's if You can see what my daughter was thinking five minutes ago, ten minutes ago versus last week when she sent you her resume. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've done a fairly decent job of trying to teach her that you know, as you get out in the job market, be aware that everything ends up on the Internet and the Internet stuff mm-hmm. never goes away. Right. Well, and it's also important for, you know, whether it's somebody who's 22 or somebody who's, you know, 66 going, you know, in, in the, the job search process. I tell people social media makes us all eighth graders. You know, we are who we associate with. And so, you know, someone might have a, an absolutely perfect LinkedIn account and, you know, be pretty good on Twitter, on Facebook, you know, minding their manners. But if their friends are posting about, say, a binge drinking party or, you know, all sorts of things like that, then the thought is, okay, well, maybe that's really what those people are like, um, in the real, in the real world. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. And whether it's, uh, holding up, you know, the red solo cup from a, mm-hmm. from a beer party at a college party, mm-hmm. whether it's doing something silly at a concert, cause my daughter's getting ready to drive to a Bonnaroo concert here yeah. day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you, what I tell people is that stuff on the internet just never goes away. Right. And, um, what I also tell people, and I've even done this for my own daughter is basically, you know, um, put up a search. On your name and mm-hmm. see how you are being perceived Definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. online. So I get Google alert. Google alerts is the one that I use because it's free, mm-hmm. but I have searches on my names, my mom's name, right. my mm-hmm. wife's name, my daughter's name. So sometimes I know about stuff that my daughter does before she knows it gets published on the internet. Right. And she was a writer for the local, the local college paper. Ah. And some, sometimes she would tell us that, Oh, I put it, I got an article in the college paper. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? I knew that two days ago because they published it two days ago, dear. Right. The <laughs> online version was out first. Well, and it, I was teaching a seminar last week for people who were in the job market. And I said, you know, you always want to know what your name is out there because it might not even be you. I remember one time I saw um, an actual physical cover letter that somebody had, had done. And it said something along the lines of, you know, when you search for me online, because I know you will, Please realize I am not the person who murdered someone. <laughs> you know, and, and, oh, and I'm wow. okay. Well, you know, they addressed it right up front, but it really is true where, you know, somebody, and especially because there are so many applicants for every position now, you know, the, an HR person or a recruiter has to weed people out very quickly just to even get down to a manageable number. So if they find something when they Google somebody's name, they're not going to research it to say, okay, is this the right Patrick? Is this a different Patrick? You know, I'm fortunate there's only three Deb Creers. So, you know, that tends to weed some stuff out. But, you know, they'll just immediately skip on to the next candidate if they found something that they didn't like. Right. And there's a whole industry, there's a whole sub-industry now on the Internet called reputation management, right. which, is, which is meant for people mm-hmm. that need to go in and, quote, unquote, correct some of this information online and mm-hmm. 
uh, reputation management is a, just a fancy word for SEO, but what these companies do is they will, all the monitor that I'm doing myself, they will do that for somebody and they will find ways to kind of push down the bad information or the mm-hmm. misinformation and elevate the good information. So, like you said, it's become such an important part of our world. What we have online and social media has become such an important part of the world that there are entire companies out there just set up to help us mm-hmm. manage that reputation and maybe shine up things that aren't so shiny. Right. You know, and, and I had a great example of that at my seminar when a gentleman came up and he said, you know, unfortunately he had had some financial setbacks and he knew those would come up first in a, a Google search. And so his question to me was, what should he do? And I told him he needed to start blogging because Google, you know, really likes when there's new content and, and things like that. And, and so my, my, uh, suggestion to him was put out more good content that would push the bad content down. Right. Google ranks, uh, I use two words when I talk about Google content ranking, uh, relevancy and recency. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that's relevant and the stuff that's recent, uh, is the stuff that will always rank higher than, than anything else. And so you're right. If he starts writing a blog post and he makes sure that, uh, his name is in there and he does it mm-hmm. on a, you know, weekly or, or maybe bi-weekly basis, um, over time, the bad stuff will eventually get pushed down. And I don't know what the latest numbers you've heard are, but I've heard that no one really goes past the first or even, even the second page of Google mm-hmm. to say the truth is hard to get people to. Uh, right. I, I usually go to first. I may go to second mm-hmm. when I'm searching for somebody, but beyond that, if he can get that stuff pushed down to right. mm-hmm. the third plus page, then, then he's, then he's in good shape. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also advised that he really needed to start using Google Plus because, you know, obviously it's Google's toy, so Google likes it. I don't use Google Plus as much as I should, but I think that you probably use it more. What are your suggestions for people who are using Google Plus? Um, first of all, the, I am a huge fan of Google Plus, but very much mm-hmm. like you is I don't, uh, all the, all the people are still over on Facebook, so I tend mm-hmm. to gravitate towards them more, but the single biggest reason that I tell people to use Google Plus is the same thing that you do is you can, you can intimately tie your blog and your Google Plus account together. Um, I think nobody knows if it helps with rankings. We're all guessing. Mm-hmm. I am pretty sure it does help with rankings, but the biggest thing there that the reason I recommend this for Google Plus mm-hmm. is that Google changes the search results now so they can instantly tell my, my, when someone's searching for Patrick Allman and my Google Plus information comes up, there's actually like a little picture of me that comes up in the search right. results mm-hmm. next to my search results. And I tell people, if nothing else, that should be the number one reason you're over on Google Plus is because it's going to be easier for people mm-hmm. to find you. So I'm with you right there. Google Plus is a great platform. I've done a couple of blog posts on it. I was on it when the beta was out. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, I We still had to get invited. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, I'm trying to kick myself more every single day to get on there. And it's it's a challenge. We've only got so many hours in the day. But right. good, good for you for being on that platform. Great. Well, amazingly, we are already at the bottom of the hour, so we're going to go ahead and and take a break. And when we come back, let's continue talking about the online marketing mojo system because we've talked about trust. Now let's talk about transaction and then eventually awareness and the fact that this is a circle. This is something ongoing. So when we come back, let's continue this discussion. Gladly. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. 
MileHighRadio.com. Just what the doctor ordered. Parenting is a rewarding experience that comes with challenges. Every parent experiences moments when they are overwhelmed or frustrated. Families First wants you to know you are not alone. Colorado parents can call 1-800-CHILDREN for answers, resources, and support. This free confidential support line can be the difference between struggling alone and finding the support you need to strengthen your family. Call 1-800-CHILDREN or visit www.familiesfirstcolorado.org. Real life isn't like TV. Bad guys don't read scripts. When a crisis occurs, only solid training will be enough to potentially save your life and the life of your family. At Duty to Act, owned and operated by Navy SEAL Jimmy Graham, our focus is to make sure you have all the training you need to be the first and last line of defense against unwanted intruders. Duty to Act is a professional defense company that offers the best training in the world to prepare individuals to protect themselves and their family members against real-world threats of today. The Close Quarters Defense System is the world's best and most proven real-world defense system. Its foundation has been taught to our nation's most elite operators for the past two decades. Other classes we offer are active shooter response, home defense, women's defense, and more. Now, it's your turn. To find out more or to sign up for classes, find us online at dutytoact.com. That's dutytoact.com. Or call 720-644-7552. Remember, the life you save may be your own. And we are back. I'm Deb Creer, and with me today is Patrick Almond. We've been talking about the online marketing mojo system. But first, Patrick, tell people how they find you online and connect with you. Thanks, Deb. Uh, my website is allaboutfocus.com. Uh, all three words all put together, no dashes, space, underscores, or things like that. And if you, on the right side, if you subscribe to that book, um, there's, uh, which I talk about the online marketing mojo system, and I believe in there, I even have a picture, which is the circle that you're looking at, mm-hmm. which talks about the three areas of um, online marketing mojo, awareness, trust, and transaction. And in addition to the websites, you can, there's a YouTube channel, there's a Twitter account, there's a Facebook fan page, but you can get to all those if you go to the main website at allaboutfocus.com. Great, perfect. Well, as I mentioned, we've been talking about the online marketing mojo system, and we've really talked initially about building trust, and that's sending people emails, that's having good video, good audio. You know, this program would be a great example of that. Um, obviously, you have to have a website. Uh, I, you know, I love the people who think, "Oh, I'm only going to be on Facebook." I had a conversation yesterday with someone who had this great ebook that he had published, but it was a PDF, and he couldn't figure out how to post it to his Facebook page. And I said, "Well," Post it on your website and have a link to it from your Facebook page because then you're going to get people doing other things on your your website. And his response was, I don't have a website. And I just cringed. He was like, oh, dear, oh, dear. But so we, we know people have to have a website. They have to have a blog. They have to be doing social media. So then let's get into the transaction part. What do you mean when you're talking about e-commerce, affiliate marketing, and memberships? The, a lot of us work in the information knowledge world where we are, our product is information. If I'm going to work mm-hmm. with Deb, if I'm going to pay Deb for consulting, uh, I'm, I'm not, Deb's not going to give me a, a consulting widget as much as I'm going to pay for her time and pay for her expertise. And there are some ways 
online that we can do that, and that's what I'm talking about in the transaction portion. Right. And it, it really applies to you. That really applies whether or not you're selling widgets or whether or not you're selling services. I want to provide a way online that after I've built up trust, I want to eventually guide someone towards a purchasing decision. And we can mm-hmm. use e-commerce for that. We have shopping carts. And, you know, once we, once you have that, that life cycle down pat with e-commerce, then we can expand on the other two areas, the affiliate marketing and the membership area. Mm-hmm. Great. So, you know, we're, we've got people where they, they trust us and they really want to spend their money with us. Talk to us about awareness. Um, awareness uh, comes to back to the website part we were talking about. And the way that circle actually works is awareness is first, then trust, mm-hmm. then transaction. Ah. And yeah, so I'm sorry. You know what? And the fact that you're giving me this feedback makes me think that I may need to work on that. So all feedback is great feedback. <laughs> uh, awareness is the process of making somebody know that you exist okay. and what okay. your expertise is about. Your, your radio program was a great way for someone to come to the website and listen to you and say, oh, there's this great lady out there and she's putting out all this great content. And that's the very beginning of the relationship is the fact that even knowing that you exist uh, it's amazing in my own city sometimes, you know, I've been in business 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll meet somebody and I'm like, this is what I do and this is how I can help you. And they're like, this is great. Where have you been? I mean, like, well, I've been just kind of sitting here waiting for you for 16 <laughs> years. And uh, that just indicates to me sometimes that maybe I need to work on awareness in my own city. But awareness is is advertising. It's marketing. It's inbound marketing, which HubSpot's mm-hmm. a big fan of. It's, it's the social media. It's the search engine optimization. It's just going out of your way to basically toot your own and making sure people know you exist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I mentioned, this is an ongoing circle. You know, it's not that you develop your branding and then you never look at it again. You know, right. you have to continue doing all of this. I just recently redid all of my materials, um, including my website and then all of my social media presence. And, and you know, I was fortunate through my program and through social media to have uh, met uh Excuse me, Hugh Briss of Social Identities, and he redesigned everything. But it's it doesn't have to be that complicated. No, no, not at all. The the we've made the reason the internet, in my opinion, I, th- I think the reason the internet and social media has blown up so much, maybe in the past five to ten years, is the techie geeky guys have gone out of their way to make it so simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether it's coming, whether it's putting up a brand new WordPress site or buying a domain for $10, you're right. The, the idea, and I believe the area you were going to is that the fact of content production mm-hmm. is just so simple. Um, right. the, the class I gave Saturday for six hours, I'm like, you know what? Uh, a domain is 10 to $12 a year. A website, a good website is 10 to $20 of hosting a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, WordPress has free themes. You can go to MailChimp and start your email list for free for under 2000, if you have under 2000 people. And I told people, stop giving me excuses about why you don't have a website. You, you can't give me a valid excuse. I'll shoot down every one and then I'll right. help you get one up. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, in, in reading your ebook today, one of the things that struck me that, you know, it, it is one of those things that when I see somebody, I think, ooh, they're not quite there yet, is when they don't have their own email address domain name. So, for example, you know, mine is deb at debcareer.com, and you have your professional email address. You know, if somebody is, is wanting to be a professional and they're still at Gmail, they're still at, at AOL, you know, it, it's under... $50 a year, folks, to have that and just have that brand awareness. 
You know, you're exactly right. And that's one of the, that's one of the flags that you look at when you look at someone's, I'm not going to say necessarily professionalism. I would almost call it maturity level mm-hmm. when it comes to the online marketing world. And I also use it for, to, to judge whether or not, um, how someone's going to handle email in the future because I get a lot of friends that have to constantly switch email addresses. They were at Cox and then AT&T right. mm-hmm. and then Gmail. And I tell people, you know what, buy your own domain and you will never have to switch email addresses again as mm-hmm. long as you live because you right. can forward it to those other services. And so whenever I see that, um, whenever I see one of those instances on there, I will usually help somebody. Usually it's in business card format. I'll say, you know what? You can fix that. You can start your branding. Mm-hmm. $10 a year, go to GoDaddy or whoever your favorite registrar is. And you know what? Let's turn you into a professional. Right. And you, know, you might have to get a little creative with it. I really was going to be DebraCreer.com, you know, be the, the more professional sounding. <laughs> and that URL was taken. Um, I approached the person because she clearly... Uh, was not using it for professional use. She had done some fundraising and, you know, hadn't posted anything for several years, actually. I offered to buy the, the domain name and she wouldn't sell it to me. But, you know, there are ways to get around things like that, um, where, you know, maybe you have to use a middle initial. Maybe it is a company name, you know, for example, your company name. But it, to me, it is just a little step up on the professionalism ladder when you've got that. And it can route right back into your Gmail to all of those things if that's what you're more comfortable with. But it, it is just kind of something that, that is part of your branding. Right. And something you brought up, which was really great, I'm glad you touched on this, is it doesn't have to be your name. Um, I do have patrickallman.com, but I have to look at that and think, you know, how many people are going to know and spell that? Right. Correctly, mm-hmm. right off the bat, we have, we, you know, this country, this country is a, m- a melting pot of people, and we have some interesting names. And so, if mm-hmm. somebody had a a good long three word German name, and they said, "Oh, mm-hmm. I'll just go to uh, Ickman Ein, whatever, la 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 la," <laughs> um, you know, I'm getting ger- Ick out of there, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, after that, I'm 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 lost. So I've come up with some creative domain names uh, all the time. Mine's all about focus dot com, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure if I say that to people that they will usually get it. I have another one called stopdoingnothing.com, uh, which mm-hmm. is it's it's three words. There's no vowels back to back. It's almost an English sentence. If you can come up mm-hmm. with a domain name that's an English sentence, man, you're going to have a winner right there. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it's cheap. You know, you can do this for under $10. Exactly. $10 for the domain name a year. Uh, less than 10, less than really 20 I'll stretch it and I'll say less than $20 mm-hmm. a month for good hosting. Uh, WordPress, as we all know, is a free platform. And then I was mentioning MailChimp. And mm-hmm. with, with those two, two tools right there, the domain, the hosting, the WordPress with a free WordPress theme and an email account, my goodness gracious, you are going to be well on your way to building up a presence online. So when people do search your name, uh, once you start blogging, they'll be able to easily find you. So right. I don't, I don't let people skate by without excuses. If you're going to tell me you only have a Facebook page, I'm sorry. I'm not going to let that happen anymore. Right. You know, and, and you mentioned it at the start. You know, Facebook changes so much that, you know, the next time you log in to your Facebook page, maybe they want to charge you, you know, or maybe they really have changed, which they frequently do, who is going to see your posts. So if that's the only place you are relying on doing your marketing, you know, to me, it's a waste of time. Right. And I, I also tell people that, you know, what are you going to do if you realize so much on that Facebook page? What are you going to do if what happens is exactly what Deb says? You know what? All of a sudden it disappears for some reason. You have no idea why. Maybe somebody disputed it. Maybe somebody is trying to put a copyright claim on it. And, and Facebook 
uh, while they're trying to figure out the copyright claim, they decide to take down the fan page. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They'll say, oh, you know, we'll put it back up in six months once the copyright issue is solved. But in meanwhile, you've lost your quote-unquote website for six mm-hmm. months. Right. You know, and, and one of the things that, that we just mentioned is time. You know, Where do you spend your time? And you've got a marketing mojo matrix that kind of figures out where people should be spending their time. Talk us through you know, how that process is because you know, people will ask me, you know, how much time do you spend on social media? Well, I'm not a good judge. It's I have it turned on all the time. But, you know, if if you're a, you know, a business person out there, how do you figure out when and, and how you should be spending your time? That's a great question. My my main goal with a website or with social media, with everything else, is to create content that's permanent and relevant and that can be found in the future. And as great as social media is, it's not always easy to find mm-hmm. old stuff on social media. Right. It's much easier to find it on where exactly where Deb's been telling everybody to go on your own website. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of getting the website up first, getting the email list up first, and then having people create blog posts. So it's amazing how you are, you and I are both advocating people creating blog posts. And just so it, what everyone, I know since this is radio, everyone can't see, this is a matrix where I've prioritized the different content items that you should be working on. And towards the top, not the very top, but towards the top are new pages on your website, getting mm-hmm. new subscribers into your email list, getting new blog posts up, and then I kind of rank down. And eventually I make it down towards the bottom where, you know what, you should be working on your Facebook page followers and your Twitter followers. So whenever I engage with a new client for consulting, we work on those top ones right there. Mm-hmm. Get a YouTube channel up. Find a way to get some easy video production going. You know what? Let's get you on a regular weekly blog posting schedule. Uh, consider doing, if you're a talker uh, like Deb, consider getting some kind of radio show up. All these are new content that you can produce that are permanent, that never go away, that are going to help your presence online. And the beauty about something like your radio show is I can go back and listen to old episodes, and they're new to me. Mm-hmm. You could have done, I don't know how, I don't recall how long your radio show has been in production, but if it's, if it's been going for five years, I could listen to something that you did five years ago and it's brand new to me. Right. Whereas if you tweeted something five years ago, it's going to be hard for me to find that cool tweet that you did five years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's what that matrix is all about is about producing the things they're going to, they're going to stick and that are going to be relevant now, a month from now and a year from now. Well, and I love on this matrix way far down on the list are the actual numbers of people that you're connected with online on social media. And to me, that is, is so accurate because people tell me, oh, yo, I have 10,000 followers. Well, okay, but if 9,900 of those people would never ever either use your services or products or at least tell people about them, then that's a waste of time, you know. So, and it's not just quantity or quality. I mean, there is a, a kind of a sweet spot in there, but so many times people get caught up in the how many people are following, connecting, LinkedIn, you know, all those various things, and they forget about everything else. Right. And the um, the one thing that I tell people about the quantity versus quality is I think about it a little bit more from the marketing perspective is that, I mean, look at the way television and radio and billboards work is the goal with them is to reach as many people as possible because you what you do is you fractionally 
move people down the sales chain. If you have 10,000 followers, you're right. You know, 8,000, 9,000 of them are not going to engage. So to get a thousand though, good ones, you may have to work on getting the 10,000 and then you, Mm -hmm. then you wilter the, you get the 1,000 on your email list. You get the 500 to come to your webinar. You get the 200 to buy something on your webinar. But you're right. It's a balance because uh, I tell people, especially people that have a large number of followers, I say, you know what? If followers don't matter that much, then you know what? Let's trade my small account for your big account and mm-hmm. uh, then, then tell me how much followers don't matter. Right. So you're right. Followers do matter and quality does matter. Well, and people look at those numbers. <clears throat> they do, you know, if if say they're deciding to connect with somebody on LinkedIn if I go to their profile and they're connected with 10 people, I'm thinking, okay, what well, might mean they're new or, you know, all those various things. But I'm not going to be as excited as if I look and they get just the 500 plus. You know, I love the fact that LinkedIn won't really tell you those numbers anymore. But more importantly, if it's a business Facebook page, if I look at it and I see that they have 25 people who've liked the page, I'm not going to get terribly excited about it. If it's a page that has thousands of people, well, then I think that it's probably going to be a more robust page. Right. And the people that really get the followers easier and that have the, we have this thing called social proof now are people that are not only producing the content online, but are carrying that over into the real world. Mm-hmm. If, if you're doing something good on social media, like radio production, or I'm doing something really good, like video production, if you can expand, if you can use that following right there, produce more content and expand that out into things like, um, books. You know, I've got a neighbor right here who's, who, um, he went the other route. He has a little bit of a social media following online, but he's in the process of, of writing a book and getting a book out there. And that's going to also help expand his Twitter following. Right. And the Twitter following is going to help expand the book. And so it's this constant circle. And that's one of the things I just try to think about when I built that marketing mojo circle mm-hmm. is, is that it's, it's all feeding into each other. And you're right. As soon as you go to someone's Twitter account or Facebook page, um, that, uh, there is instant social proof. The number will instantly tell you. And that's, that's what Cloud's trying to do also. I think that's something that's towards the bottom of my list is if you want an instant credit score to some, some, if you want an instant credit score for someone, that's what Cloud's trying to do for us is trying to take all those numbers on all those social media channels, come up with a formula to rank it. And so I can, someone can instantly go to Cloud and say, Oh, Patrick Allman has a Cloud score of 60. He's relevant or he's irrelevant compared to mm-hmm. somebody else's Cloud score. Right. And it's it's interesting that you mentioned Gina Carr and clout score because I am going to have Gina on in a couple of weeks to talk about the importance of a clout score and why somebody should even care about it. Because um, mine hovers around 56, 57 and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but but it, it is, you know, it, it is one of those other things. And it was funny as we were talking about this, I was thinking about, oh, you know, the websites maybe five, ten years ago where you went and it had the website visitor counter. <laughs> and you know, and, and we were always oh, one million people have been at this website. It must really be important. Well, what most people didn't understand is that the webmaster sets the starting point for that number. You know, and now if they were honest, they you know started it at zero, but you could start it at a thousand, ten thousand, whatever. But again, that kind of gave that initial credibility is seeing those numbers. And I laugh now when I still see those on websites. 
Oh, yeah, those are a hoot. You know, I didn't even think about the starting number. What I always get uh, concerned about when I saw those numbers was the number of unique vers- visitors versus the number of people clicking around your website. And mm-hmm. the way I can always tell whether or not one of those is legit or not is just by reloading the page over and right. over and uh-huh. over. And if I can reload the page 10 times, make the number mm-hmm. go 10 times, I'm like, okay, well, this isn't really the number of visitors. This is the number of clicks going right. around. But I didn't even think about that. You're right. You could just start the number wherever you wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'll be honest, I did that with a site that we designed one time because we didn't want to start at zero. Now, I think it started at like at a hundred. I mean, you know, we didn't want to get real carried away with it, but we didn't want somebody going there and saying, I'm only the fifth visitor. Really? Right. <laughs> you know? And and this is, um, this, to you, this is kind of funny. This carries over a little, for, a little bit from the real world. I don't know about you, but whenever I go to get like a new bank account now, I don't have them start at check 100. Right. I always have them start to check like 1001. Mm-hmm. So when I go down to the dry cleaners, he's like, okay, this is a, he, he, he they give a, a check of 1001, a little bit more credibility than a check of number of 101. Right. Well, and, you know, ultimately what this goes back to would have been in the, you know, probably the first time this happened. And, you know, I'm going to date myself by, by mentioning this, but <laughs> with the, the McDonald's signs, you know, when it was, 1,000 burgers served. Well, you know, I don't remember that number, but right. but when the numbers started really ticking up to, you know, over 1 million burgers served, that was impressive, you know, and, and it really was kind of an ongoing count. I remember when they would change the signs to, you know, 2 million and, and all of those things. Yeah, in this day and age, you know, I'm, I'm a statistical geek. I love seeing numbers. So I think McDonald's, I think the number should update every single time that they sell a burger. That's when I'd be impressed right there is I want to see that oh, yeah. number change. See, as Americans, how much are we putting down those McDonald's hamburgers? That'll yeah, be impressed. It'd be a little scary, but, you know, and, <laughs> and of course, you know, what would probably happen is it would, it would update so fast you couldn't, you know, it, it, the, the thousand number would be what you would be watching or, you know, even a higher number than that. Exactly. And then I'm maybe kind of curious, just as a humorous person, I have a little bit of a jaded sense of humor is maybe there's like a, a gymnasium or something next door and they're, they're counting their memberships. And I'm curious mm-hmm. which right. one's going up faster, the gym memberships yeah. or the McDonald's hamburger <laughs> memberships. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and it's probably one of those, you know, catch 22 ones. And, and, uh, but yeah, that, that would be funny. And it's something else I've noticed, and I don't know if this is on purpose or not, but it's so, this is brilliant marketing. Here in Oklahoma City, I've noticed several, um, strip malls will put like a fast food place or a cookie place or a cake place, like right next to a gym in the, I, mean, I know we're getting off the main topic, but a gym in the strip mall. So you gotta think, you know what, wouldn't it be brilliant marketing if you owned like a cookie store and a gym right, right next to each other? Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> you know, you're either getting them after they've exercised or you're getting them and then they're sending them in there. So, exactly. you know, kind of a, kind of a symbiotic relationship. And if you had a really twisted sense of humor over in the gym, you'd give like coupons for free cookies so they could go right yeah. next door when they were done exercising. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that would be very good marketing, you know, because yes. then, you know, sending them back and forth. Exactly. You, know, you, you mentioned that you live in Oklahoma City and Unfortunately, there's been, you know, so much weather-wise for people who are listening live um, to this program. Weather-wise, there's been, you know, multiple tornadoes that have gone through there. Social media, to me, has been, you know, anytime something like this happens, I tune into social media almost immediately to see what happens in an area. What was that like to really be in that that part of the the world and see everything going on th- with social media? It's it's brilliant, and I have an upcoming news story on one of the local TV stations exactly about this topic. It's this storm and previous storms has made us in Oklahoma realize that 
the only way, or one of the few ways, you know, I'll stretch it. I'll say the only way. The only way to get accurate, updated information about what's going on, what's safe, who's in danger, who needs help now is social media. Mm -hmm. Uh, Radio stations can't keep up. TV stations can't keep up. Uh, I can find out within 30 seconds whether or not a friend of mine is okay or whether or not she or he lost their house. There's mm-hmm. a very good friend of mine down in the city of Moore, which is where the tornado swept right. through, that he has put out calls for help on mm-hmm. social media. And that's that's what caused me to get in my car, to drive down there, to go through his house where the roof is missing now and mm-hmm. help him pick up his belongings. Uh, we've done some fundraising on that. When the tornado sirens are going off, when neighborhoods are being hit, I can watch my Twitter stream and between a combination of my friends and using the, the stuff that's coming out from the local press, I am being kept very much up to date and it just can't move even as fast as the TV can. Mm-hmm. Not only that, right. I can watch the social media stream inside my storm shelter too. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and it was interesting, you know, several years ago, I was at a Colorado Rockies baseball game and, you know, the, everything there were you know little wisps of clouds in the sky but not too much and then all of a sudden the the announcers came on and said we need everybody to move into the 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 buildings you know get get up inside the concourses and things like that and we're thinking what the heck you know there there wasn't bad weather there was so i immediately get on twitter and i said okay i'm at the rockies game colorado people what the heck is going on and what we couldn't see was that there were very uh, suspicious looking clouds behind the stadium uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, people weren't facing. And you know, so then I knew, OK, this is why we've all been sent, because your imagination went wild. You know, what the heck is going on? Right. And when we knew, OK, well, you know, it's, it's just a bad storm. That really did kind of help with that perception of you know, what we needed to be concerned about. Exactly. And something else that I think has happened as a result of social media and just as a result of cheap bandwidth is that same, ironically, it's that exact same friend. He doesn't subscribe to any cable news anymore, over the air news. Mm -hmm. He gets all of his TV, all of his weather, all of his everything from online and social media. So it really doesn't matter if the local meteorologist was on TV talking about the impending storm. He's not on there watching it. He's Mm -hmm. watching his Twitter stream for radar pictures, for updates about which neighborhood's getting hit. So it's, in his case, it's actually very crucial that the most accurate, latest information comes out on social media and, you know, it's, it's, it's saving his life is what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and it can be used in so many ways by first responders, by people like that. Um, I was talking uh, last week with a, a guest that I'm going to be scheduling hopefully for July. It's the district attorney for Cobb County and talking about how they're really starting to use social media in a variety of ways here. And I've had another guest on who was talking to us about how 911 operators use Twitter for things like Amber Alerts and, and all of those various things. And and to me, that's what makes social media so important and so vibrant. Right. And I even have uh, a special list on my Twitter account. I use Hootsuite. And I've established a list of all the press channels so I can mm-hmm. go to one column in Hootsuite and I can see if I have, if there's a helicopter overhead, I'm like, okay, why is there a helicopter right. overhead? Mm-hmm. Or go here and look, Channel 5's helicopter is overhead because there's a burglary suspect in the area. Mm-hmm. Patrick, maybe you should go outside and lock your doors real quick yes. kind of mm-hmm. thing. Right. <laughs> You know, and, and I think that's kind of one of the things the, where a business then says, well, why should I be there? Because there's all of this clutter. I think the reason they need to be there is because everybody is there, you know, and, and so when you're able to join in the conversations, that's what makes this so important. 
Right. And it also allows us to do things like connect with people like you and get on the radio and do great interviews. And it's more than once I've used uh, social media to connect with the local press and get mm-hmm. media interviews uh, about weather, uh, about business, about how to make money using social media. So it's kind of funny. Social media begets talking about social media also. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I was talking with uh, some of the the uh, reporters back in Colorado before I left, and one of them, so she was a news director at one of the major stations. She, you know, I'm a PR person. That's what you know my career has been in, and so I'm used to you know really doing a pitch, you know, and preparing all this material. She no longer accepts a PR pitch unless it's on Twitter. She said, if you can't send it in 140 characters, she doesn't want to hear it. Wow, that's amazing. And probably, you know, it probably forces people to really choose right. not only your words carefully, you know, but choose mm-hmm. every single character carefully because it's going to make or break a business deal. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I think that's where people need to really think, as you were saying, you know, what are you posting online? Are you building that trust? Are you working on that awareness? You know, that transaction, all of those things that you talk about on your online marketing mojo system, you know, they do all tie together. That's why it's a circle that you have have drawn. Right. And I also tell people that, you know what, as much as you like sharing your stuff and as great as it is to share your content out online, give people a little bit of a break every now and then and find other smart people out there and mm-hmm. share their content also. If, if as great as Patrick is, people are going to get tired of hearing my voice, whether, you know, it's verbal or whether or not it's via Twitter after a while. So I go out there and I share some of the stuff that Gina Carr is sharing. Mm-hmm. I'll start sharing some of the stuff that you put out. Uh, you know, I share some stuff that Mark Cuban puts out. Mm-hmm. I, I just look at and I do it locally and I do it nationally and I just find other good content right. and I propagate that out and I nurture that and tell people know, you know what, there's so many smart people in the world. Go Follow some of these other smart people also. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, we are at the top of the hour. Obviously, we need to have you back on again because there's so much more that we can talk about. But one last time, Patrick, tell people how they connect with you. Thanks. Uh, you can go to my website, allaboutfocus.com, and on there you can link to my various social media channels. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter as Patrick Almond. I'm on YouTube as Patrick Almond. But it all stems from allaboutfocus.com, and I have to say I have had a blast today. This was awesome. This has been fabulous, and I look forward to having you on again. If you're not connected with me, it's easy. It's just debcreer.com, D-E-B-K-R-I-E-R. And as I mentioned, I've been redoing my branding, so if you have comments about that, I'd love to hear them. And until next time, everybody, connect with everybody else and have a great day. Thank you for being a friend Travel down a road and back again Your heart is true You're a pal and a confidant I'm not ashamed to say I hope it always will stay this way My hat is off Won't you stand up and take Yep, here's your problem. You haven't been listening to MileHighRadio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.